All right. I really don't know how this one's going to start because there's no intro music or anything. Um, no. Oh, I got it. I got it. Graves on Jefferson. I, I can't watch this no more. Yeah. So, <laughs> so honestly, is the theme song even accurate? Are they moving on up or are they just stumbling into money? Or from Jefferson's to Graves? That kind of changes how I feel about George's take on getting the maid. He, that's a lot of self-hate. We don't know. The Jeffersons versus The Cosby Show. Because I feel like both are trying to do similar things, but with different people behind it, the outcome is different. And what we're going to do is, so Greg Savage is as a background in history, so he's going to be coming at the show from a historical perspective. And I have a background in anthropology, and I'll be talking about the show in a more um, anthropological and cultural perspective. We'll get it eventually. Um, so the first episode is called A Friend in Need. But before we get into that, uh, I do want us to go over a little bit about what the actual actors like had going on before the show even started, you know, kind of like that because I feel like a lot of people know that it was an all in the family spinoff um also by Norman Lear heads up I'm gonna every time we talk about another Norman Lear show because there's several uh, I'm gonna just call it the NLCU uh the Norman Lear cinematic universe because all his shows are just spinoffs of spinoffs like that's it and they're not even original what and they're not even original. They're all British-based. Oh, the- is it? It's like an office treatment? Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that. Um, uh, the UK were leaps and bounds as far as, um, you know, getting the whole the- the- uh, theater- uh, theatrical um, sitcom shows. Yeah. Were the original versions of these shows, were they, like, super popular? Are they, like, staples, like they are over here, or no? Not sure. Um, the the best I got is Doctor Who, and I'm not too crazy about that, so. Yeah. Say, so after after the David Tennant years, I was over it. I was done. Uh, George Jefferson, or uh, his actual name is Sherman Hemsley. He's yeah. a well-versed, uh, theor- uh, what's it? Uh, thespian? Yeah. Well, thespian is kind of, well, I think thespian can be for any type of actor, so he can be like a theater okay. actor. So, um, right before um, the Jeffersons, and actually during um, when the Jeffersons would appear on All in the Family, he was in the Broadway play Pearly, which I looked up what the play's about. It's a musical about um, this, about this preacher that goes to this small town. I can't remember if it's his hometown or not, but basically a black preacher goes back home and he's trying to uplift the community, you know, and so it's a, um, it's a black, uh, not power, but like empowerment type of play, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's very like Toni Morrison, you know, it's kind of, is that type of flavor is um, what he was doing right before. And the only reason why he wasn't on All in the Family was because um, him and Norman Lear had an agreement that they would hold the role until 
he was done with that production. And then the other main character, um, Louise Jefferson, played by Isabel Sanford. Now, okay, so when we were talking a while ago, we were both wondering why she was top billing. Because her name is on like at the top of, of everything. And one is because she was actual, like, so the character um, Louise was actually made before George was. Okay. And was, yeah. And her and Lionel were introduced on All in the Family, and George was has had had yet to make an appearance. So she just had seniority as an actor. But also, here's what she was just coming off of at the time. So in '67, she was in the original um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Okay. And Is that what Sydney Portier? Possibly. Yeah, I would assume so, since the only other one's Bernie Mac, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so she was in that film. Um, she was in the film Soul Soldier, which was a black exploitation film. So, you know, comedies are in her wheelhouse. And I think, I think this was in 71 or maybe 72. Um, she did a movie called Love at First Bite, which is a horror spoof movie. So, I mean, so comedy like, and like, hmm? Is it like Vampire in Brooklyn? I, I haven't seen that one, so I'm not sure. Is it like a parody yeah. vampire movie? Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, it's an Eddie Murphy movie about a vampire in Brooklyn. Oh, I think, so the term spoof was used, like, in this movie's description. So I think it's more along the lines of, like, a scary movie type of just, like, you know, um, variety, you know, fast-paced, you know. So she was raring to go on a sitcom that was just, like, fast-paced jokes. But, yeah, so now that we just know a little bit more about them, we can go into the episode. So take it away, whatever you were saying. So this episode aired in on January 18th, 1975. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to keep in mind that um, George Jefferson or the Jeffersons weren't introduced into All in the Family until 1971. So there was like four years of uh, character development to play with there. Um, also keep in mind that everybody only had four or five channels on TV at the time. So they knew who these characters were before it even aired. Yeah. Uh, unlike us, we just thought like uh, us watching it on um, uh, for the first time on TV Land or Nick at Night, uh, uh-huh. we had no clue what the who these characters were. Something that I do want to kind of get into later when we talk about um, what or if we get to um, talking about the actual people that made the show and like what the black talent had involvement, if any, is the Jeffersons versus the Cosby Show. Because I feel like both are trying to do similar things, but with different people behind it, the outcome is different, I think. And also, it was a different time period. Uh, in the last couple of seasons of The Jeffersons, uh, The Cosby Show would have just started. So the dynamics of those two shows are somewhat similar, but not really. Okay, yeah. So do you want to just go right into the episode, I guess? Let's start with the the theme song. Okay. Um, one of the, I think the only person of color that was a part of the production staff, the song was composed by Jenna Dubois, um, who is also, who you might recognize her from uh, Good Times as Winona, the, the, mm-hmm. 
the neighbor uh, of Florida's friend. So she actually composed and sang the song uh, for the theme song. Um, yeah. And I mentioned on the first iteration of this uh, recording uh, mm -hmm. that representation matters in front and behind the, uh, the, behind the camera because um, people research and look that up and um, you it really just it just matters like uh you don't have to be an actor you can contribute in, to the production of a show in other ways mm -hmm. like lighting crew you know it took so long for people to be proficient enough at a film set to be able to light black people it took long for the technology to catch up with how to light black people because even the thing of like we mentioned colorism in the in the uh that could possibly be in the show there was no accurate way of lighting black people back. Well, not saying there wasn't an accurate way. It just wasn't made for it. Um, it was difficult. Yeah, it, like you, you have to keep in mind that um, the technology at the time was geared towards filming white people. Mm -hmm. And then you also have to think about the makeup artist. If the makeup artist wasn't black, um, I've heard a lot of of actresses, um, of black actresses, like it's even like in today's time that have to take their makeup with them and just do it themselves because they're not proficient in how to do that face. Oh my gosh, Greg Savage. How have you been? The people have been clamoring for us to do a podcast for forever. They've been asking, where's Pit Podcast? Where's the Pit Stop? Where's Greg Savage? Why is he not talking with Topher Kogan? I mean, we got five years in the game. Uh, I guess I've had a three-year hiatus, but you've been going strong. I have, you know. I mean, you know, I the streets are saying that you kind of lost your podcast, like juice. I per yeah, yeah. So what this podcast is going to be? It's going to be from Graves to Jefferson, or from Jeffersons to Graves. We'll figure it out along the way. It's going to be me, an anthropologist, and Greg Savage, a historian, and we're both black, breaking down every episode of The Jeffersons or as many episodes as we see fit to, I don't know, get tired of it, see if yeah. they are talking about anything besides the struggle to get out of poverty. The brief overview of the episode is... George pitches the idea of hiring a maid for the for his new deluxe apartment in the sky. Um, mm -hmm. The underlying tone is Louise feels uncomfortable hiring a maid, seeing how she worked for years as the help. And it really, I, li I like how it starts off because it, it starts off with this misunderstanding. Uh, Wheezy has just met this lady, Diane, and she's helping her with her groceries up the thing. And the whole time, Diana's like, are you sure this is okay? What about your boss? What about this? And that, and then the third, and Wheezy's just not getting it. She's like, what are you talking about, you know? But she never actually says like, this is my house, you know? And it's not until- And the maid assumes that she's a, she's a maid. Yes, exactly. Because it's a nice building. Yeah, and we really don't get to see the economic, you know, um, I, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to call it shorthand, but um, the, the feeling of difference that Diane is so worried about until the she- dynamics of, The dynamics of class. 
there we go yes 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 um until george comes in is like no we're the jeffersons this is a our house and she actually tries to leave like she's like oh my gosh like wait you're not famous and let me leave (laughs) exactly she's like "Mm, black people should not have money why are you famous let me leave and then they find out that she's a maid and then she goes and then george and wheezy get into an argument about hiring diane to be their maid in their house she had a problem with hiring her friend because they see that as a demeaning job let's be completely transparent um the job of being a maid was demeaning in almost every aspect it's especially during that time and a little bit before well well before that mm-hmm. where you saw in the episode where you're you're you really are treated as a second class citizen where you have to regard somebody in high respect even beyond the station that they're deserved um or they say they use they use the whole thing of manners, uh, where everything's yes sir, yes ma'am. Where, to be honest, you're just picking up after somebody, and potentially raising their kids. So you would think that they would have a little bit more respect as far as that goes. I do want to see. So one thing that I do want to be a through line uh, through this is I want to see the friendships that Wheezy has. I'm really interested in how they depicted Black women friendships in this time period. You so, can't be friends with the help. Well, okay. And so see, so this is the thing is because I wonder, does Diane come back? Do do we ever see her again? I don't know. Now I don't know. The thing is, I don't know if how they write this show, to be honest. We've only seen the first episode. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what we don't know the we don't know the time uh the time between airing and production as far as the first pilot and the second episode. So it could be a completely different story next episode. Yes, this is true. It could be. Alrighty. Um, well, let me see. What big happens next? We meet Lionel. Um, he comes into the uh, picture. Lionel is played by Mike Evans, who actually co-created Good Times. So Tom and Helen are... Um, their son's fiance's parents, so they're their in-laws, and they pop in the episode because they have to be introduced. What was interesting about this interaction was that it seemed to me like Tom was like the crux of like American balance, if you will. Well, I see him as the American dream or the American the expectation of what people see mm, he's the goal like as far as as far as white american is because or um as far as acceptance not even acceptance as far as successfulness well see i don't we'll see i haven't seen enough of him to, to know if he's successful i'm just talking about the balance of interacting with black people mm. Like he, like he's like the tolerance benchmark of like yeah. here's how you interact with black people, everybody. Um, because e- because even when even when all the black people in the scene get riled up by the n word, who is calm, cool, and collected and diffuses the situation, the white guy, you know. And then when you take him and you compare him he's to like, the, I'll say it sometimes. Yeah, exactly. 
and you know and, and it was weird and like the audience i really i noticed it the second time um why, well really like the fifth time watching the episode but the audience really downplays whenever the black characters say honky but you can kind of feel See, that i got this i got this thing about white people trying to uh, equate cracker and honky to like racial slurs they're not so those are two terms that do not have well one has a root in slavery one does not one has roots in jim crow um the problem is it's a false equivalency to nigger uh and both of them are um let's start with cracker cracker is basically a it is defined as uh overseer of our supervisor of the field and they were always white and they had a whip and that's why they call and the whip cracks so that's why they call him a cracker yeah it, even when you call somebody a cracker that that kind of that denigrates your position in life too because you're saying that they're over you yeah it's so Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. No, I just said, yeah, it's interesting. So, honky, uh, that's more of a Jim Crow, uh, Jim Crow era word. And it, uh, and it comes from... Uh, nope. Uh, it comes from um, prostitutes and tricks. So, white men would drive up in the cars and honk their horns, and black prostitutes would go out there. Oh. We're introduced to two white characters in the, in the episode. Um, and I expressed that I felt like Tom, uh, Tom, who is the husband of the interracial couple, he is basically the, um, the standard that white audiences for the show should, uh, should, should feel and be tolerant to, to, uh, to, uh, to the two black people, which Mm -hmm. you, which you iterated. Um, I feel that what's the name of the uh, British guy, Bentley? Yes. Harry Bentley, yeah. He is the British character. He's also white. I feel like he is, he's to represent um, the people, the audience, uh, the white audience in particular. Um, he is a fish out of water. You, white, um, the white audience does not understand black culture. And not saying that this show is representative of black culture, but that's how, the, that's how, the, that's how it's presented. Um, speaking of Bentley, um, well, well, no, no. Finish your thing, cause I don't want to step over what you're saying. I'll write it down. But yeah, Bentley, he's a uh, he's a fish out of water. He's in a situation where he's not comfortable. Uh, but he's going to try to navigate the best way he does. But he's clearly ignorant, uh, and that's not ignorant in the sense of a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't understand uh, the neighbors that he has and the things that he says, even though you know it's kind of offensive. Yes. Um, what I realized about Bentley is that the way he communicates is through like, like weird, heady jokes. So like when he met Diane, he was like, oh, you must be Miss Newton because she dropped an apple. And she was like, what? Like, what are you like talking about? And it's actually, mm, I don't know if this did black people a disservice because Think about it. If you're the type of person that that's your type of humor, you could automatically assume that, oh, but well, black people don't get this because everybody on the show responds to 
his weird jokes in the same way of like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, so I was watching it. I didn't like you just said what the joke was. I had no clue what that joke was. And he, and he does it several times. Like, like, like his jokes are basically, I don't want to say they're like Rick and Morty ish, but they're very like overwritten jokes. You know what I mean? But in a good way. But if you're not used to that kind of humor or you don't like that kind of humor, you're like, what are you doing? They are very culturally biased jokes. Yes. They're like the SAT version of like dad jokes and that are already, you know. Exactly. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if they're put in there to make an even more divide between black people and white people. And that's really sad because it's like you could have just given this weird, heady, you know, weird dad jokes to a black person. And they would have been smart and, you know, overthought, you know? I wonder if that type of humor was the norm in white culture. Like, the everything's very ironic. Oh, I don't know. See, because I would assume, I would assume, um... American and uh, European audiences, I would assume they like more slapstick. That's what I would assume. I don't know. Like, uh, I don't, I, 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 comedy, like, comedy doesn't translate too well over time. No. Especially contextual stuff. So, yeah. Beca- because even though, the, well, and also, oh, and that's a, a, another thing I'm interested to see is if the volume of jokes, is consistent because this was the first episode and they were just back to back to back to back to back like it was hardly any time to breathe but that's understandable for a first episode i was like i like but before like like you're saying it was back to back to back i was like i can't appreciate the newton joke because i didn't hear it Mm, yeah a lot yes a lot of things were the, uh, that is a thing of um, when you're filming in her live studio audience is that a lot of stuff can get lost. Like you can just go, like you can just be um, going away. But I always love to see an actor like recognize that, that the audience is there and they'll like wait a moment before they like say their line, you know, just so, so, so they can hear it. Um, I love that part of um, live studio audience shows. I know I appreciated the familial dynamics between um, Lionel, George, and Wheezy in the scene that was um, when all the uh, parents were, you know, in the front room, and then Lionel and Jenny—not Jenny. What's his, is her name? Jenny. What's her name? Is it yeah, Jenny? Jenny? Huh? The daughter. Yeah. Jenny. Okay, there we go. Um, when they came into the front room and just that whole um, exchange and interaction between them, I really liked that familial like unit of just how they move and talk to one another. I feel like it was very like there are like there are families today that I feel like wish that that was the dynamic, but it's still that hierarchical thing of like father, mother, child, you know? But you can tell that they have open, open conversations, like conversations drive that family. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, to, 
with with how like animated George gets, the fact that he can take his son like making fun of him in front of all these people and not just, you know, be like, how dare you disrespect me? You know what I mean? Like he's like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, it, I really enjoy shows, that. That shows respect like that shows that he has not not Lionel, but his like George Jefferson has an like he he has not to say he has control of his family, but there's a comfortability there. Mm-hmm. Uh and 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 there's a uh, self worth and self esteem inside that like each each person in the family does have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like one person's role does not carry so much weight over someone else's role. I like that. I mean, like I mean, like it's a it's a good healthy dynamic, you know. If a family is allowed to mature, and if everybody has open discourse and you know, egos don't get too far in the way, too much in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it can blossom. Like um, once you get pa- once you get past um, uh, adolescence, and you are not solely dependent on your on your family, but you can still be a you can still be a part of that household. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're seen as not. I'm not gonna say as an equal, but you're seen as a, a as an adult. Yeah, as an individual. Um, and and I do think that is that is a problem with a lot of families is that parents never accept that your child doesn't have to do what you say and that's okay you know like and the, and the child has to accept that their parents aren't perfect but they are people yeah. and their actions contributed to who you are even though and you can and you can point that out in front of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think yeah, I think it's completely healthy to like go to a parent and say like, hey, um, real quick, here are the things that you did. Um, I know you were trying your best, but they kind of messed me up a little bit, and I just want you to know that I'm not upset, but we just need to talk about it, and and I need to get closure on this thing that you did that really messed me up, you know? Because I feel like most times parents don't even know that they're messing up their kids, you know? Because, because again, they're just doing the best they can. Now, the last line. Now, this is honestly, in my opinion, the funniest part of the whole episode to me is um, when Wheezy is talking with Florence and Diane and Helen. And they're all standing there and Wheezy just was like, oh, well, you can be my maid. And then Diane comes in and she's like, well, why is she here? Why does she get the job? And then Wheezy was like, well, because we're friends. And she was like, hmm, happy I don't have many friends because my kids would starve. And I was like, oh my gosh. But the last thing, the, the, the last line of the episode is Florence turning to everybody and asking all of the, the two women that live in the building saying, you know, well, if we overcame, how come nobody told me? And then everybody laughs and the episode closes. Now, the, now I really want to talk about this line because what is it saying? What's it doing? And why is it funny? And is the reason why it's funny problematic? Is it funny because the is it funny because the studio audience is like these Negroes are the exception. Y'all will never overcome. Mm-hmm. Is that why it's funny? 
I don't know. Yeah. I <sighs> Go ahead. I know because I know in 2020 and in 2019 when I saw um, the live remake that Jimmy Kimmel um, and Jamie Foxx did for All in the Family. Um, shout out to the actors in that that I remember: uh, Jamie Foxx, Wanda Sykes, uh, Kerry Washington. I forget who played the other roles, but I know Florence did come back, or not Florence, um, Marla Gibbs did come back to play Florence again. Um, and that was really a treat to see. Um, oh, and Jack A. Harry played um, Diane. I, I, I remember that. So, but, so what is it saying? Because I know whenever I saw it in 2019, and when I see it now, it's kind of like a, oh, was this, you know, my like optimistic brain is like, oh, this is like a call to black people. This is like, hey, help your fellow man, help him up the ladder so he can get his like thing too. And Marla Gibbs is going like, why are y'all not telling each other that we can move up yet, you know? But I was like, I don't know if that's too optimistic for 75, where it's like five white guys writing it. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what, what their intention was with that joke. I don't know. I hadn't thought too much about that joke. Yeah. But I do, but I do, I do your, your assessment of what the, of how the audience took it seems very accurate. It seems very like, oh, I could believe that. I do have an overview of the episode that I, and it's a very negative overview or this a, a take that I got from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like how materialistic this show and the cast are. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really don't. And all I could think about is um, the show Black AF on Netflix uh, from Kenya Bears, where he said peacocking is because of slavery. I feel like the show is going to be nothing but peacocking. Huh? Yeah, no, I get that. I definitely get it. And it's weird because there are moments where the show is anti-upper class. Like, Like, there are moments where they do criticize, you know, this upper crust and like but oh, it's still we're it's, doing it's, better but we're still poor it's it's criticized but it's still an aspiration yes it is definitely it's like um no nah, i ain't even gonna go in that far but um it's just um i wonder how this series affected black people's or the perception of black people or just the psyche of black folks in general, as far as success and like being overly materialistic when it comes to like trying to, or just showing that showing success more than actual achieving it, actually achieving it. Well, you know, well, okay. To go back to the Cosby show though, and how that affected black people, I will have to say, none of my memories, now I haven't watched any um, episodes recently of the Jeffersons past this episode, but my mem- I don't remember the set ever looking very ornate. You know what I mean? Like, I know, I know they probably talk about 
possessions a lot and about getting possessions and having possessions and keeping them, but I don't know if we actually ever see it come to fruition. I say we put it juxtaposed to good times where they clearly live in a in a rundown apartment, and yeah. I'm sure those I'm sure those two uh, ran somewhat close to each other as far as when they aired. Let me see real quick. Okay. But yeah, but um, while you're doing that, um, I'll say my thoughts on um, the influence on black people. It's interesting because I wonder if a rise in entrepreneurship and in franchising, if that spiked in black interest after the Jeffersons, because I don't remember if we ever go to the cleaners. Do we ever hear? So what they I'm, gonna, I'm gonna interject some history in real quick. Okay. So black business went down during the seventies because of because of desegregation. Oh, okay. Um and I, yeah, jumping back, well, jumping back to um good times ran concurrent to uh Jefferson. So I'm sure and it's a Norman Lear show. So I'm sure that like you show one and the other, you're like, I wish the people on good times could live like the people on the Jeffersons. They have like apples and shit. And we have to drink tea. Because because it takes TV up until the Cosby show to actually give black people a path to even figure out how to get fucking money. Because how the Jeffersons got the money was because of a car accident. Like 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 it's insurance payout. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The whole reason why he can get the cleaner is because of an insurance uh, payout. Are you are you revealing information for from a uh, episode in the future? No, uh, no, no. This was talked about during All in the Family. Oh hell! I was like, yeah. Oh, I, I can't watch this no more. Yeah. So, <laughs> so honestly, is the theme song even accurate? Are they moving on up, or are they just stumbling into money? Like, you know what I mean? It's like they did they did he earn it? Because because in this episode, George talks about, I worked this hard and this hard and this hard. But in the lore, one of the reasons why he's able to really finally make it happen is because of this accident. He had a non-payable, like he had a business loan or business lottery. I mean, he still had to put the groundwork in, I guess, in the setup. I mean, this being, being, don't I mean, show that. Like, I mean, being like being someone in the entrepreneurial space, just mm -hmm. having the money isn't going to get it done. Like, but they don't explain that. Like, there's no roadmap on the Jeffersons, and the I think the only unless they mention this in um, when the Cosby Show was airing and afterwards, what did every black kid run around saying? I'm gonna be a doctor, a lawyer when I grow up. I'll be a doctor, lawyer when I grow up. That's all anybody would say. But you have to remember that's the same sentiment that um, that um, foreign families also talk to. But um, yes, that but that sentiment was said along among black people until uh, Denise was in college age and they had a different world. And the sentiment quickly changed to I just want to go to college which is a more reasonable and um, I'm going to say it was a more reasonable um, attainable yes or and it, was, um, it was more um, within grasp it was within grasp 
yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a better way to, um, to show improve, improve somebody's station in life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you have to also remember, I don't, I don't know if anybody, well, this is not true, but it was not, I don't, I don't, I don't assume it was commonplace to talk about accruing wealth. You know, it was all about getting more money than your parents had, but not in acquiring wealth. Like, in, like having the money was actually a good opportunity to not have to go to college. Yeah. Um, business management, if you need that. In All in the Family, was there a um, a reference or did they give the information on what George did before he got the the, the settlement? He was a janitor, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. So what we're seeing in this first episode really is, I mean, a stark comparison to where Wheezy and George were. That kind of changes how I feel about George's take on getting the maid. He, that's a lot of self-hate. Yeah, it, yeah, it is that conversation. That conversation between like these are the roles in society, and we used to be here, and now we have to be here. And he even says, like, I don't necessarily want you looking down your nose at somebody, but I want someone to have a reason to look up yours. Like, I want someone to need to do that to us. And it's like, you know, he needs to work that out. <laughs> I don't know if he can. I mean, like, slavery really fucked us up. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no. Like, I don't like. I don't fault George for knowing what the game is, like, and for knowing what systems are in place against him. And you know, I mean, and it does. I mean, it really is from a place of wanting to take care of Wheezy. He's just saying, like look, this is what we have to do now. We had to clean, and now we have to have a cleaner because that's the only way the system makes sense. Maybe it's a thing of, like, that's the only way he can justify why he got out because now he has to do it to someone else until they can get out. I don't know what the psychology is with that but 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 yeah no first time watching it i did not um pick up on that um self-hate thing i didn't really pick up on that that's it for this episode Um, okay good but yeah we're gonna be talking about episode two of the jeffersons and this is from graves to jeffersons check us out on spotify i think or places on spotify i i don't know i i I thought that's what people say the other in the word next episode all right okay i'm gonna stop recording now